0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Fabian Shelton. And I'm Jason Hosking. Welcome along, guys. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, now, Fabian, you're, uh, you're a bit of a, a tech enthusiast with a pretty
1: broad knowledge across the uh, uh, the consumer electronics world aren 't you? yeah, so I follow along with what happens through technology. I see what's happening through other tech sources like the verge and what 's happening out there, and just post about it yep uh well thanks for uh thanks for coming
0: on the show and um Jason, I wanted to uh, get you back on the show it's been a little while since we last chatted with you um, been quite a while actually uh but uh you've recently been awarded by New Zealand Geographic the uh photographer of the year for two thousand and fifteen. So I thought give us a little bit of an excuse to uh to have a bit of a chat to you around technology in the world of uh photography. And uh as Fabian's also sort of into video, so we may we may merge in and chat a little bit about video, but uh yeah, during the show we'll dive in on that. But let's get started with the topics of the week. Now, uh first up, interesting uh confirmation today that Apple are ready to launch their iPad Pro here in New Zealand. So that's going to be uh, available for pre-sale in New Zealand, I think, from uh, Wednesday, and we'll see it in the stores uh, later on in the week. Uh, Apple actually haven't given an exact day, but uh, I think uh, Thursday or, or Friday that will be uh, that'll be available. And the timing is curious because it it actually lines up with when Microsoft are launching their Surface Pro three here. Uh, in New Zealand and in, and Surface in Australia, Pro 4. Surface Pro four, thank you, Fabian. I need somebody who's sharp to uh, correct me, so um, yeah, so the the timing there sort of overlaps, and of course it tends to be Apple that will get most that get most of the attention uh, around a product launch in, in most mainstream media. So it would be curious uh, how uh, Microsoft go and of course, in Australia they're also launching the Surface book, which won't be launching here in New Zealand. Uh so yeah it'll be it'll be curious to see how how that works out for uh for Microsoft. All right well um that's that's kind of the uh the the big products coming through this week. Now let's jump in Jason and I'm kind of curious to hear a little bit about some of the work that you've been doing recently. Uh there was a book project that you were you were shooting for around the country. Um what was that one called? That it
2: was wild about New Zealand.
0: Right. So that was in, there was a TV series and then you, right. you did all the photography for the, for the book that was published alongside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, you I guess you do a whole range of, uh, a range of projects, but one of the things that, uh, helped you sort of get picked uh, or tapped as the, the winner, um, as photographer of the year was because of your use of technology and in particular, um drones i'm kind of curious you know what was the technology like when you started doing photography which must be what over a decade ago now um compared to now what what's what has what sort of been the big the big changes
2: yeah i probably started in the mid 90s in the darkroom black and white darkroom and um i i very nostalgic for those days um yeah technology's great but there's a lot about that i miss um, Technology is often like that, isn't it? That it sort of can,
0: it, it, you know, we lose something as we move to, move to all these new bits and pieces of technology and, you know, certainly all the interruptions and so on that technology brings compared to the simpler life that we used to have without technology. But, um, I mean, it's certainly there's been, some, there's been some good sides to it, right? In terms Absolutely. of, I mean, when you were shooting on film, uh, that would have been a pretty expensive process to, uh, you know, if you wanted to shoot a couple of hundred images, I mean, you, I guess you were just a lot pickier, right, when you were shooting on film because it was so expensive and so time-consuming if you were processing the film yourself or whatnot?
2: Yeah, and th- th- that's right. Um, I mean, there's good things about that as well. You know, you slow down and you take your time more. But no doubt technology has made things, um, you know, it's just open doors that uh, give us incredible opportunities that we'd never had before unless you had a lot of money. Um But even I mean, you talk
0: about the sort of the time and you did have to sort of slow down because when you were taking a photo that was going on to film, I mean you would you would take that shot. You you wouldn't actually you know, especially of a long exposure or, you know, all the varying sort of settings that you would do, you wouldn't know actually what that was gonna look like um, you know, perfectly until you got it processed, right? Whereas now we, you know, we we close the shutter on the camera, or, or you know, press press the button on our iPhone, and yeah, uh, you, know, you can see the result instantaneously. Yeah,
2: well, th- that's that's one of the things I really miss about film is is um, there were these things you know, you know photographers call happy accidents. Yes, you know, and, yeah. and you'd kind of come w- go to the lab, uh, expectant to look at your work, and, and you'd find stuff that you're just like. Oh my God, I didn't realize I, was, I caught this, and then sometimes you'd be scratching your head and like, "What did I actually do there?" <laughs> this would actually lead on to other you know that would help in, innovate and um, create new techniques with some people and um, yeah
0: so yeah, I guess much harder for that to happen now and much more predictable. I mean once you've got a, once you've got a photo usually stored in, there is a whole bunch of data about you know settings and so on that were used as well, right. So it's, um, it's easier, you know, once you learn how to do a particular exposure and so on, uh, I mean, you could do the same thing again a minute later if, depending on lighting and all those other things that might be changing.
2: Yeah, and, and in the old days you would just, um, you would test stuff and, and you would spend a bit of money running tests. So if, it, if you had a big advertising job, you know, you might spend two days prior to your shoot day testing. Um, guys I used to assist with um, would frequently do that kind of stuff. And there would be money in the budgets for that. So on the day, you get everything's kind of exact. Um, but yeah, no doubt with digital technology now and um, photography, it's just made life much easier in lots of ways. Mm. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's pros and cons, really, but um, mostly pros.
0: Cool. Now, um, I mean, tell us about the, um, the the book you did, The Wild About New Zealand one. Um, what was that like in terms of sh- shooting that? And, I mean, you must have taken a pretty large number of photos over well, how many weeks or months were you on the road to shoot that?
2: Um, I was on the road for about four months. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how many shots I took, um,
0: but, I mean, it would have been well into the thousands, right? I mean, it yeah, was quite yeah, – yeah. over that sort of period.
2: Yeah, and, and the nature of the job was in the editorial job. So um, it's a book book project. So you're just covering off lots of things. Um,
0: and how did you store all of that data? Because, you know, you it was – when was this? 18 months, two years ago. So you, you weren't able just to, you know, find somewhere to upload them to some online – Cloud storage and so on. I mean, you you would have been there would have been a level of risk in terms of your data and so on that Absolutely. you were shooting and a lot of data, right? Yeah,
2: um, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a national park, so often you'd be in places where there was no reception at all, and yeah. So so essentially, it's just you know back, backing up onto a computer, um, making a backup of that, and then a backup of the backup.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were you were pretty wise in terms of uh, retaining your data there.
2: Yeah, um, the other thing I did was um, because I was in an old van as well. Um, I, yeah, I part way through that project I would post hard hard drives back to myself in Auckland. Yeah, that's um, a good idea because you know the thing went up in flames and all my backups are in there.
0: Yeah, well you were driving a funky old combi uh, right, van around, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it looked good in some of the some of the photos I saw, uh, but I guess not the most uh, modern piece of uh, auto technology.
2: No, but that was that was a nice that was a sweet thing about it. Yeah, yeah, it cool. was very very retro styles. It was great.
0: Yeah, and and now with this recent work you've been doing, you've um, you know because I've seen you know some of your photos from uh, both from the book and so on. And quite often you're. Uh, you know, you've got aerial shots that are maybe shot from an aeroplane or a helicopter, um, but now the world of sort of drones are starting to open open things up. What has that meant for you and how does that sort of facilitate um, your your entry for the uh, New Zealand Ge- Geographic um, Awards this year?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, aerial work is something I've always really loved. Um when you're an assistant, you know, you, you're living on the smell of an oily rag. You have no money to to do that kind of thing. Um, so there were occasions where I'd be working with a photographer, and we'd be flying around in choppers and things like that. And those and this is this was back in the film days, and so a lot of those flights it was just head down rolling film. Right, so, right. So you'd miss a whole lot of stuff, but you on the way there and on the way back you'd see stuff and. And I guess that and taking flights around the country and overseas, um, yeah, I've just always loved the perspective from, you know, a a seagull or, you know, bird's eye view looking down. Um, So for me, uh, I I saw drones technology. It's certainly not a new thing. Um, I remember probably five years ago seeing that kind of stuff and just going, wow, this would be awesome, but... Um, the cost of that was pretty astronomical. Yeah. As
0: tends to be the case with sort of professional equipment, and also with tech technology when it's new, right? And That's then the exactly. prices sort of start moving down.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so probably a uh, couple of years ago now, I um just took I, I happened upon it by chance again and um realized that the cost of this stuff had come down astronomically. Still expensive, but um. Just a lot more affordable and into the realm of possibility, and yeah. So I just started looking into that, and um, it's been an interesting journey. Cool, cool. All right. Well, um,
0: great, to, great to chat about that, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll we'll keep hearing from you of uh, you know where the technology helps you get. But you know, ultimately, it comes down to the creativity, doesn't it? It's I mean, the technology just tools that that help, um, but the 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 creative aspects uh, are really the unique that I guess each, each photographer or filmmaker sort of brings to come up with the results. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting now because access to, you know, uh, both video and, and still photography equipment, you know, it's much easier because we've got, you know, everyone's, you know, got a, uh, a camera in their pocket and so on. Um, but. You know it still seems to be there's a there's a you know few people that have got their the real creative talents that are that are still uh, those that really get drawn drawn on for uh, um you know for the best the best work and I guess it's awards like these that sort of help highlight who are the who are the best uh, in the country so I hope this award is is um something that does well for you sort of career wise um, and, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to uh, hearing more in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's jump into some of the other uh, topics. Um, we wanted to chat, actually, around uh, smartwatches. We had an email in from one of our listeners. Uh, this is Cameron Farqua, uh, who is based down there in the uh, Kapiti coast, uh, Waikanae, and uh, he was saying he is uh, he's quite keen to upgrade his um, his smartphone um, and is sort of curious about what the best options are in terms of smartphone and smartwatch combos. And, you know, his comment, he w- he was quite curious around uh, Huawei Nexus and the ha- Huawei um, watch combo and was just sort of, you know, curious in terms of what what were the, the best options. And in his case, he was saying that... Um, apple possibly out of his his price range so i thought maybe we can just chat chat through some of the varying uh smart watches on the market we've all had a look at a
1: a few of them um fabian what is it that you wear uh so currently i'm wearing the lg g watch r which is a pretty good option um as being a circular smartwatch with a great screen it's um got a good battery life on it as well with a leather strap it's water resistant to a degree so I take it in the shower and wear it and take it everywhere and it's pretty not, much not too
0: much of a problem. Now, I had somebody commented after, la- uh, maybe it was last week or the week before the episode when I was talking about good battery life uh, on, on a smartwatch and uh, we, we were talking about um, um, Samsung's uh, new Gear S2 and uh, they sort of made fun of me because they highlighted the fact that, hey, the Pebble watch has a much longer battery life than uh, you know, most every other, uh, smartwatch, which is, you know, is a fair point. There are some, you know, some watches that do operate quite differently. There are, you know, other ones that'll do a level of fitness tracking and so on, uh, that can run on a single cell and, and last for, you know, weeks or, or months. So, you know, it, I guess it is, wor- it is worth pointing out there is some variation there. And probably one of the, the biggest shortcomings, I think, of smartwatches at the moment is that need to sort of charge them every night i mean how do you find that Do you always remember to charge your smartwatch or do you find some some days you've missed
1: out i've forgotten a couple times but it does last like an average of two days depending on how hard i use it and how i use it and what i use it for um but usually i charge it up at night before i go to bed and when i wake up before i go to work i take it with me and it goes behind my computer so you know just charge it up and off i go
0: yeah, okay. um,
1: but with the Pebble Watch because it's a like an e-ink screen, so it's got a really special screen on there, which uses as little power as possible. It can last longer than what most other screens for smartwatches do. So it has got that sort of functionality behind it. So it's kind of yeah. like you get extended battery life out of a Pebble due to what the screen is, versus you know what you get on a like a Samsung smart watch or an LG or. An Apple Apple
0: Watch, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And the other ones that will tend to last longer are the likes of Fitbit, which you know are very much focused on the fitness side. Um, Now, Jason, you spent a bit of time with an Apple Watch recently, and I mean, you're a pretty big fan of the Apple products. Um, I don't think you run anything in terms of your, you know, uh, your phone, laptop, and so on that's not Apple, and probably haven't done for a long time. Um, how did you find the Apple Watch? Uh,
2: I was really curious to see what it was like, um, how I actually found it. I was a little bit disappointed. Um, battery life, you know, it would maybe sometimes not even last an entire day, mm, um, depending on what what you were doing with it. Um, you know, and I was figuring stuff out, so I was probably chewing out more battery than a, a regular user maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I just I found it really interesting. Um, but for me, it's not something I would... I don't wear a watch anyway, so...
0: It would be a change yeah, for you to have to start wearing a watch and it didn't do enough to sort of jump out and make you think, I need, I need to have this right it,
2: now. It's definitely not something I need. Um, it, it has some interesting features, but uh, a lot of that's just connected to your phone anyway. So I, I can't see... I mean, if you've got to carry your phone around to get some of this stuff, it's, I don't quite understand the point. So so it's, a, bit, a
0: bit premature from your perspective, or do you think it'll never it'll never be of interest?
2: For me? Uh, possibly in the future, but, yeah, not right now. Yeah,
1: But, like, when you're taking photos using a camera or, you know, using a phone, it'd be nice to see, you know, what the time is without having to go through and go through the settings on your iPhone or having to check it so you can just bring out your watch and, you know off you go, you check your time, cool, it's this time, and then you keep going.
2: I just hit the home button on my phone and it tells me it's time so yeah. so I mean different strokes
0: for different folks, I think yeah. you know at, at at the moment there does seem to be a there's a huge amount of product that's coming onto the market, so of course, you know we've got the apple watch with watch o s and you know certainly iPhone uses that It's probably going to be you know the pick for most people that are already on on Apple uh, but most of the other products now are compatible with Apple uh Samsung um Sony Samsung's uh devices that that have run on um uh, Android wear they're compatible so really anything that's Android wear will yeah. um Microsoft with their band and band 2 those those are compatible across uh Windows phone as well as Android and, and iOS. Um, Pebble certainly, uh, you know, works across Android and, and iOS. Um, and then there's a new one announced uh, today, the Tag Heuer Connected.
1: Um, which is a pretty interesting, like, premium watch. Like, versus you have premium phones. So you have, you know, your smartphone, which is super premium, ultra specs. And then you have Tag, who's just brought out this new watch with a great screen, titanium uh, casing, rubber sort of band so it's a really like premium looking watch
0: rubber doesn't sound premium to me for the uh, band well for the price though 1500 us that's probably uh there aren't a whole lot of more expensive smart watches on the market but it's a tag so you know for the money i guess it's uh it's it's probably going to be uh something that they'll sell out of um now, Fabian, you were saying they've, uh, they've just produced a very small number of these
1: initially. It's just a, they're just doing a short run? Yeah, so they're doing a short run of about 1,000 models. Um, so they start shipping or they start pre-orders this week, and then they start it next week in Europe. So 1,000 models being sold, which is tiny. But then they've also said it's future-proof in some way, so you can buy the smartwatch version in a couple of years' time. You want to upgrade it to a mechanical watch. Just pay out the $1,500, and off you go. You get a mechanical watch. So right. it's like buying oh, okay. another watch. So you'd be able to get a refund if you want to step up to a... No, you have to pay another amount. So well, buying... you sort
0: of... Yeah, but if you're...
1: Well, they're giving you $1,500 off the, no. the new tag? No. Oh, you're paying 1500 more. Yeah, so you pay another watch worth right. to have it upgraded to a mechanical watch. Right, downgraded. which I'm sure
0: is a discount on what it would normally cost you. So, uh,
1: yeah. Oh, it's
0: it's interesting. Um Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely, there's a few products on the market. I think at the moment, you know, it very much comes down to, it's probably either you're an early adopter if you're wanting to buy a a smartwatch or you're really keen on those fitness aspects. Yeah. And there are lots of fitness, uh, you know, devices from from Fitbit and TomTom and uh, Garmin and so on uh Microsoft band which is sort of i guess that one straddles the the two but not not available uh directly here in New Zealand at the moment and then uh yeah all of the, all of the other you know products that are android based or the apple watch which tend to include the fitness elements to them Uh, As well as the standard sort of smartwatch features. So, you know, in terms of, you know, giving, giving advice, I think the thing to look out for is probably the newest, newest products. So, uh, you know, the, the comment there in the email from, you know, Cameron, he was considering uh, the Huawei uh, Nexus uh, 6P handset and a Huawei um, watch. That's probably a pretty good, uh, pretty good combo. Um, You know, start with not a, not a, not a low, not a low cost item. Uh, when you put put those two or a, a low cost purchase but uh, putting those two together you got something uh, something fairly, fairly nice yeah um, but you know for those that are just wanting some sort of wearable and maybe with a fi- f- focus on fitness it's well worth looking at those fitness devices and some of those now will also uh, bring through the notifications off your phone so if you want to get something that's sort of buzzing on your skin or giving you alerts then
1: uh, that's that's probably a reasonably good approach. Just start with a good smartphone, just something kind of high-end to premium. So um, the Nexus range is really good. It runs on virtually stock Android, um, which is a great operating system for most smartphones today. Um, and then have a look out there at what's happening for the smartwatches. Um, every six months, they're going to change. Um, if you want a really high-end smartwatch, LG's got great options. Huawei's got great options. Samsung's got a really nice-looking watch with its cool like clicky sort of wheel around it. Um, Apple watches don't work with Android but Android watches work with Apple so have a look at what's out there and read reviews. And
0: mm, No doubt we'll be seeing a few more probably announced in the CES time frame, Consumer Electronics Show uh, which takes place, place in uh, Vegas in January so there'll be a whole whole bunch of uh, announcements around wearables there. Um, now jumping on to a local story, we just got uh, news through yesterday um, that Vodafone are spending twenty two million dollars to upgrade their cable network. Now, this is the uh, network it was originally I think rolled out by uh, oh, what were they called Saturn back in the day, and uh, it was for for delivering cable TV, which was something we never had in New Zealand. We had satellite TV from Sky, uh, and then the cable TV network launched, of course, now it's part of uh, uh, Vodafone. They acquired that as part of their Telstra clear. Uh, acquisition and that has delivered broadband in the Wellington, Kapiti Coast and, and Christchurch uh, regions now for uh, you know, quite a number of years and although it has actually come under a bit of flack in, re- in recent times because they have had some network issues in terms of actually delivering the sort of performance that uh, technically their network was capable of. There were some uh, some bottlenecks that they've been working through and trying to address uh, so instead of just addressing those things, they've also an, announced that they're moving to gigabit uh, speeds over that cable network. So I think that's um, that's going to probably please a bunch of customers. Interestingly, though, in most of those uh, areas where uh, they have their cable network, of course, there is the government's ultra fast broadband initiative in, in play. Mm. Uh, so, what that will do will just stir up a bit of competition between uh, Vodafone's own network and the local offerings on the ultra fast broadband. Uh, but getting gigabit, uh, you know, internet speeds to your home is uh, it's probably never a bad thing. Jace, would you be? Uh, do you be keen on these sorts of internet speeds if you happen to live in one of those locations? I'd be
1: pretty
2: happy. Pretty
0: happy with that. Yeah.
1: Especially because um, it's running down copper versus you know having to have fiber lines run through, which is taking its time to roll out at the moment. So
0: yeah, well the um, the cable network that was rolled out—I mean, it was in some ways was a little bit like the the UFB rollout. It was a pretty big project to get it out there, and so we've got you know the traditional copper lines, we've got the the cable network, and now the uh, the the fiber based. And each you know one of those has been done uh, done independently. Now, thinking about uh, one gigabit speed, Jason, would you find this useful personally?
2: Oh, absolutely. That'd be great.
0: So what would it allow you to do if you could get this, you know, for uploading your data or, you know, what would you do with it?
2: Uh, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, 4K video streaming, you know, watching Netflix, stuff like that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, so just the fun stuff. But work, <laughs> work-wise, it would work, be useful for you and, to, in uh, terms of, you know, uploading to the cloud and so on right from, now.
2: Yeah, from a business point of view, no doubt that would be, um, that would be very cool. I, at the moment, I don't do any cloud backups. It's just, I have VDSL, so, um, I just don't have the time to back up the gigabytes of data that's needed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's certainly a constraining, uh, factor. And, you know, I guess those that are sitting in Dunedin listening to this will be, you know, chuckling away because they've already got their gigabit, uh, speeds. At uh, at the same price as everyone else is paying for their standard ultra fast broadband, uh, but for the for the rest of the the country, I think the promise of gigabit speeds is something that we're all looking out for, and you know whether that comes uh, via the ultra fast uh, broadband network, which is you know probably how the large majority of people will get it, or uh, through this channel. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm pleased that, uh, you know, Vodafone are, are keeping their network up to speed. Uh, they've done this deal for $22 million with, uh, Huawei. And, uh, we understand this is the first, uh, network of its, of its kind, um, running the latest generation, uh, Doxis technology, which allows them to use the cable network in that way and, uh, actually get that gigabit speed out of it. So, uh, yeah, for those that are sitting on one of those Vodafone connections and maybe have been getting a little bit frustrated about the uh, slower speeds, uh, I imagine Vodafone are hoping that you will uh, you'll hold on for a little bit longer and uh, and stick with them for uh, for gigabit uh, when it launches. Uh, I think it'll start becoming available mid 2016, so it's still a little way off. Uh, now, one other topic. Last week, we spoke a little bit around uh, Microsoft's OneDrive and that, you know, they announced just over a year ago that they were going to offer these unlimited uh, cloud unlimited cloud storage. And I'd asked Microsoft and the only thing I'd heard, heard back from them uh, was around the fact that oh, they were progressively, you know, going through and doing this, but I hadn't you know, ever come across anyone that had this unlimited cloud storage. So to me, it didn't really seem as though it was a real thing. Well... What came out last week was that Microsoft had given some people the unlimited cloud storage, and as everyone you know anyone would imagine, of course, if you give that out, then some people are going to try and test it and see well, what does unlimited mean and um yeah what what resulted was uh you know some people putting up um I think in one case about seventy four gigs worth of 74 uh, sorry seventy four terabytes worth of uh, um you know videos and 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 content which you know shouldn't be any sort of surprise to Microsoft because they had offered a, an unlimited plan and uh, you know whether somebody programmatically filled up their storage or you know actually put real data in there uh you know exactly what one you know any right minded person would expect in terms of launching a service like this would happen uh, and of course it did and uh, then what happened uh, pretty much actually around the same time we were we recorded uh, last week's episode and we were challenging Microsoft on where's this unlimited storage they put a blog post online basically um, saying that hey we're no longer offering this unlimited storage and sort of blaming it on those who chose to take advantage of the fact that it was unlimited storage. Yeah. Uh, and of course they hadn't actually rolled it out to as you know as far as I'm aware uh you know a huge number of uh, of people. So yeah, kind of um kind of curious so they, they've really pulled back and they're also pulling back on the amount of uh, free cloud storage that that they give. So uh they gave away any consumer could get uh, 15 gigabytes of free storage and then there are other ways that you could get you know bonuses to bump that up a little bit more. Uh, and Microsoft have just pulled that right back to uh, 5 gigabytes. But so uh, this is kind of curious. Fabian,
1: what uh, what cloud services do you use? Um, so I'm a bit of a Dropbox fan at the moment um, with having an HTC phone. So when I originally bought my HTC phone, it came with uh, 30 gigs of Dropbox storage, and ever since then I've been using it. So yep. putting a bit of money into it and having uh, Dropbox storage is quite nice. Just back up a computer or whatever you want. And that's how it often works, isn't it? You start on one service and you'll
0: stay you stay using it. Now, what I'm curious about, you know, I'm I'm not quite buying into, you know, Microsoft's panic and surprise about somebody using a whole lot of storage being, uh, you know, a valid reason why they should cut back. Uh, you know, I, I am kind of curious about all of their their reasonings. I don't I don't think we know. Exactly how much uh, market share they've got, but I'm sure that they they understand this is going to uh, this is going to limit how you know their the growth of market share uh, going forward. Um, but yeah, in in recent times, their product has been you know up up there as one of the better products, but probably hasn't had the same uh, attention of uh, of Dropbox and. Um, yeah, that that I think would have left them uh, behind the eight ball a little bit, and then uh, Google Drive as well, which has been very popular. Jason, do you do you use any of these? Do you use
2: um, Apple Cloud Storage or? Yeah, I use Dropbox as well. I've got yeah. um, Google Drive, but yep. yeah, I just found they're clunky compared to Dropbox, and yeah, um, I'm on the Pro plan, I think. Yeah, um, 100. Bucks a year or something
0: that gives you what a terabyte or something, something like Storage. that. It's quite, yeah, or
2: it yeah. might even be a yeah. That's right. It's um, but that's fantastic. It works with flawlessly with the Mac and um, just all my devices and yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it. Mm.
0: So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, Microsoft obviously have a strategy here. They you know they know this is going to impact their uh, their success. So you know it's it's curious do they think they're just going to get uh, you know enough business just the fact that it's built into Windows now uh, are they not really interested in this consumer space because Microsoft makes you know a very large percentage of their uh, their revenues out of businesses and the, the you know the revenue that they earn on on this sort of thing um, yeah particularly if people are were uploading uh, uh, seventy four terabytes worth of information. Uh, yeah, you can you can imagine this not being very profitable t- to them. So maybe they're just making a change, and they're just going to focus on where the profit is, and they they might well figure that uh, well, if Dropbox wants to, uh, you know, try and make money out of out of cloud cloud storage for consumers, then good luck to them, and uh, they're not not going to play uh play the game of, of giving away so much that said dropbox are the guys that give away i think uh two gigs for free yeah. as as standard so you know the it's five gigs amount. that they've gone down to uh is still is still better than what you get standard from uh, from dropbox so but it's then, a bit of a curious move though isn't it
1: yeah but then there's also mega.co.nz they used to offer what 50 gigabytes as you're starting that's right which yep. was a huge amount for free, for yep. free you know um And then you could upgrade your plan to being how big you want, depending on how many people you want to use it. Um, So cloud storage, you know, five gigs is plenty, two gigs is enough for some photo sharing. Google Drive is 15 gigs, I believe, Um, which is, you know. And it's
0: shared with your Gmail and so on as well. Yeah, so you can
1: upload documents to it. You can upload all your Word documents, music and everything, and you can share it between your contacts on your email. And but but both of you are
0: paying for cloud services, aren't you? Neither of you are just using free services, or use a mix. I uh, I use a mix between them. So. Yeah, but you do pay for you pay for drop some Dropbox now, and so do you, Jason, right?
2: Yeah, my Dropbox service yeah. is paid for. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think that is becoming you know more and more common as that people will actually pay for these these services. So yeah, you know, the the impact of this maybe uh, you know maybe lesser. Than than what we what we expect, uh, but it, it is a it's a rather curious curious move from Microsoft. I've got to say,
2: one one thing I find um, kind of frustrating it, it, as I've got um, access to so much data. If I want to share that with someone who only has a two gigabyte account, um, say I, I'm sharing a folder that's four gigs, they
0: Drop, drop boxes it, penalizes you there right it doesn't work the if the other person doesn't have the uh, the right account that's right. and I guess that's part that's part of their model mm. for monetizing and that it doesn't work if if everyone involved isn't on paying plans so it's a very good way to basically force uh, you know ev- everyone that's playing that's um, you know wanting to share data to mm. you know ultimately being on a paying plan but uh Yeah, it's it's not gonna work in every situation, but I'm sure that's that's part of their, their upsell process.
1: But how trustworthy is cloud storage? Like versus having something on your hard drive or your, you know, computer at home versus having it on the cloud, when you look back at what happened to iCloud being hacked and photos went everywhere, like how how can you trust what's happening with, you know, the cloud storage places? Like here in New Zealand we have an IBM cloud storage place down in South Auckland, and you know, how can you trust the security of that place to be you know, the best it can be?
0: Well, it's a good question, actually, Fabian. Uh, I th- you know, I think we'll find that what you get between a consumer offering and a business offering will be different. So if you're paying for a premium, you know, business offering, uh, whether it's, a, you know, something from from Microsoft or from, from Amazon with their S3 and so on, uh, or whether it's some sort of, you know, consumer-oriented offering, um, yeah, there are, there will be different um, ways in which they store the data and replicate the data and protect the data depending on what it is. From the consumer perspective, yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to education as much as anything else around how we store passwords and using different passwords for different services. So there's probably a lot of risk there where consumers will use the same password on lots of different services. And, uh, I saw somebody raise their hand there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who it was. Um, but, you know, so there are those sort of bad habits that, that we'll often, you know, tend to have. And then one service that we use gets hacked. They haven't been as, um, diligent as they should have been in terms of how they've stored their passwords. So somebody is actually able to get in and reverse engineer those passwords and then, you know, publish them online and they get applied across varying services. So that's, you know, that's often the, where the big risk is, is, your own personal data, uh, unless you've got it locked down with two-factor authentication and so on, then, then yeah, there's a reasonable chance somebody might get at that at some stage. So you have to put some protections in place or just be wise about what you store, right? And that's why there's been a, a, a lot uh, around, you know, storing naked pictures and things like that. You know, if you store that stuff, hey, um, you just have to be prepared and it might end up online one day. Um and so there's those considerations you know and then for businesses it's not it's not just about the protection of the data, it's also about um, you know from a security perspective, but it's also about you know what happens if that data centre goes down, so is the data replicate in other locations and you know Jason, you were talking about that earlier with uh, your photos when when you were tripping around the country and how you had three copies of that data. and you know I think that's you know businesses expect to have those multiple copies mm. in multiple locations and you know you went to that effort for for you as a as as a one person uh business uh you know you think of the level that bigger businesses want to go to and those options are you know in many cases are available to them but you know it does depend on which services they're using and uh you know within uh, my business we've certainly come across uh, organizations that are using uh, cloud services in some way that maybe have let them down, and it's a matter of finding that right fit of the service uh, the security that it provides and also the protection of your your data so um, yeah it's not always maybe as quick and easy as it looks to uh, to decide on on what the right right choice uh, should be um, but in most cases, I would say putting data in the cloud if you're you know really diligent around your passwords and those sorts of things is probably going to be uh, better off than you just leaving it on a loose hard drive sitting somewhere. Um, that would be my pick at this stage, anyway. But yeah. uh, there are all sorts of layers and levels you can go to, and uh you know Jason's example with you know making sure there were hard drives in different places uh, and so on. You know, effectively that's what you end up with with a cloud service. Although there's a few more layers of of protection there with yeah uh, you know, RAID systems and, and and so on to protect the uh, the data. Um, now, one more thing I wanted to, uh, chat about before we finish up this week. Um, last week we had, uh, Will Fleming on the show and he gave us a, a, a few details about his new, uh, podcast, uh, My Kiwi Life podcast. And just wanted to thank, uh, all the listeners that did, uh, get a chance to, uh, to download that and, uh, and have a listen. Um, bunch more episodes coming through soon. In fact, there's a second episode, uh, online already. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, everyone who did download it because that, uh, hit top 10 on uh, on iTunes charts in New Zealand last week. So, uh, yeah, we're really, really pleased with that uh, that podcast launch. And we've got a few more other podcasts uh, coming out uh, over the next, uh, hopefully a few weeks, but certainly over the next few months. And uh, one thing I would like to ask uh, of listeners, if you've got a moment and uh, you do either use iTunes uh, or an iOS device, if you could give us a rating uh, on iTunes and a review that is uh, that's always very very helpful to us so um, if you've got a quick minute to jump in there and, and rate us or review us um, that would be greatly appreciated all right well that um, that really covers us for this week that's all, all our topics so uh, thanks gents for uh, for coming on board um, Jason how do people track you down if they're interested in uh, uh, booking the country's uh, top photographer at the moment
2: uh, probably just through my website www.jasonhosking.com. jasonhosking. dot com. Cool,
0: and you're on you're on Twitter as well. You do a, you do a tweet from time to time. Uh, very seldomly on
2: Twitter. Um, I, I'm pretty Instagram. I'm pretty regular on that. So yep. that's Jason Hosking on Instagram.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. All right, yeah, well worth following on Instagram. Actually, I quite uh, enjoy seeing seeing some of your uh, new pics come through. Um, and Fabian, are you, on, are you on social media somewhere? I'm on
1: Twitter and I'm on YouTube um, Oh yeah, what's, so your, what's your Twitter handle? That's probably easy At um, Obstacle1, O-B-S-G-R-1 So um, yeah, just hit me up and That's great. talk tech and it'd be sweet Good stuff Alright, well thanks everyone for listening um, You can get in
0: touch with me, uh, Paul Spain on Twitter uh, Feel free to add me on uh, LinkedIn If you do, just maybe put a little note in there uh letting me know that uh you know you're connecting via uh, the podcast uh thank you to actually to one of the listeners that uh pinged me on linkedin this week and was uh um very complimentary of the new zealand tech podcast uh Called it the, uh, the best podcast in Australasia. So, uh, very flattering. Um, so, of course, I was going to accept that request. So, uh, uh, keep those lovely comments coming. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can track me down uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, those sorts of things. And uh, you're welcome to email me, Paul.Spain at podcasts.nz. All right, that's us. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast.